0: Hi there. I'm Dr. Trevor Cates. Welcome to the Spa Doctor podcast. On today's podcast, we're discussing mold-related skin conditions. My guest is Dr. Ann Shippy, and after a decade of working as an IBM engineer, Dr. Ann Shippy became discouraged that traditional medicine couldn't find answers for her own health issues. So she did her own research that led her to leave engineering to attend the University of Texas Medical School. Dr. Shippy is a dynamic leader in the area of functional medicine, meaning she uses science and personalized attention to treat the whole person rather than um, just covering up with a Band-Aid approach. Her interests and areas of expertise include autoimmunity, neurology, and environmental factors such as mold toxicity. Dr. Shippey is the author of two books, Shippey Paleo Essentials and the Mold Toxicity Workbook. She's been serving patients for over 15 years in her thriving practice based out of Austin, Texas. In this interview today, Dr. Shippey shares symptoms to look for with mold exposure, the most common skin conditions linked to mold toxicity, why the skin is involved, and what to do to eliminate your symptoms and restore your health. So please enjoy this interview. And it's so great to have you on my podcast. Welcome. So happy to be here. It's great to see you. Yeah, it's good to see you too. And so I know you when we were talking recently, we were talking a lot about what that you're noticing a lot of skin issues in your practice associated with mold exposure. So I thought it was really interesting with all the experience that you have and I thought it'd be good to have you on the podcast to talk about this cuz we've talked about mold exposure on the podcast a bit, but of course we want to for people who ha- didn't watch the, the previous episodes on mold, then let's, let's talk about where does mold exposure come from. We also wanna be talking about the connection to the skin. So let's start with how, how people are exposed to mold for the people that, that kind of d- didn't even know this is something that's a common issue.
1: So mold's like a hidden issue, usually in a building. So about 50% of the time or more, people don't even realize that they've had a water leak. It might be just a little bit of water coming in around a window or an air conditioning system that's leaked or a little leak behind the, a dishwasher or a washing machine, that kind of thing. And then the other percentage of the time, it's, they've had a no leak, but they just didn't get it fixed well enough. So the problem is it's not the spores that most people are thinking about that cause the asthma and allergy and that kind of thing. It's actually the toxins that mold makes. It, it's just part of their living cycle that they make uh, very small environmental toxins that go into our air and then come right through our skin and into our, and also into our lungs. And the, the problem is that a lot of times we're just not equipped to zip those chemicals out of our body. So they start to build up and then the body's like, oh my gosh, what do I do with this? And one of the things that happens is that it can really affect multiple conditions with the skin.
0: Yeah. So when you talk about how sometimes our bodies aren't able to get those toxins out, are there some people more susceptible than others for this? Definitely. So anybody can get
1: sick from mold with big enough exposure. Um, but some people are much more predisposed and it can, it can depend on multiple things. And one is genetics. So if they have uh, genetic polymorphisms called SNPs that are in their detoxification pathways that involve getting rid of some of these toxins, they just don't exit it from the body as well. So things like the P450 enzymes in the liver, how well they make glutathione, and then also methylation genes. And then another thing that can really make a difference is whether they have the nutrients to be able to run their detoxification pathways, um, because there's lots of minerals and phytonutrients that actually help those pathways to work. And then one of the other really important things that I found is cumulative toxins. So, for me, when I got sick from mold, I had had so many different uh, environmental exposures. I'd had a mouthful of amalgam failings, and I had lived on tuna fish for years. So, I, I had a high level of mercury that filled up. And I was a chemical engineer before I went to medical school. So, I was in man, a manufacturing plant for 10 years. And even in school, I'd done all the chemistry labs and that kind of thing. So my and I didn't know that I needed to be careful with what I put on my skin, which is part of what I love about what you're doing. Is you know, just every which way, I had environmental toxins that had built up in me. So when then when I got into really severe mold, it really tipped my system over.
0: Yeah, Um, and what what did you notice personally and with your personal journey? What what were the symptoms that you developed first? What were some of the things that you noticed? So
1: I got really exhausted. So on Monday mornings when I you know, should have been just jumping out of bed and ready to get my kids off to school and head into the office, I could hardly get my body to get out of bed. And there were a few mornings where I got so weak in my right arm that when I went out to get a glass of water to take some supplements to get me going, it just slipped out of my hand. So I got really a, a ner- severe neuropathy in my right arm. And then I had so much pain in my body that I even just getting a hug from my kids was really um, mm-hmm. uncomfortable and I really wasn't wanting hugs. Um, and then the other thing was my hair was falling out like crazy. I, I, I'd look at the bathroom sink and I'd be like, oh my gosh, there's just hair everywhere. So it was, it was really hitting me systemically. So many different parts of my body were starting to break down
0: and then how did you commit make, make the connection with the mold and how did you start connecting the dots
1: I feel so lucky because I think I, I could have gotten to the point where I was disabled um, I'd gone to an environmental health conference about a year before that they had talked about uh, toxic mold so that you know we're just not taught that and about it in, in medical school and it's not really in the medical journal so you, you Kind of just have to be lucky to to run across that, of course, now people are talking about it more, but that was eight years ago and um, so there was a little bit of um, you know just knowing something was really wrong because I had gone to all these specialists i'd called my functional medicine friends across the country, and nobody had any idea how all the symptoms fit together and then one of my patients actually she had suffered from a mold um, issue and um, also chemical sensitivity, and she had come into my office one day, and she was doing so much better. She was just feeling amazing, and she's very intuitive, so she just took one look at me. I thought I had it all together. Nobody could actually tell that I was sick, but she just, at the end of our meeting, she looked at me, and she said, I think you've got a mold called tetonium and I want to know what time you get off work today. She just loved me enough that she... <laughs> soak up she said I want to come by your house and see how I feel in it and so she met me there after work and after a couple of minutes of being in there all her mold symptoms came back and she ran out, of the, <laughs> ran out of the house and basically said you know you can't stay here anymore and she was right because within a couple of weeks of having moved out there I was dramatically improving and of course I increased my what I was doing to help detoxify and um, it, I, was very very lucky to have I, I kind of think of her as an angel in my life that was an answer to prayers
0: right so you do become really good at detecting it you become more sensitive right you and I were recently at an event we were in the building, and you knew right away just because of the symptoms that you were developing that there was mold in the building, and so we we actually left. <laughs> but um, but it's it's interesting that even after being treated, you still do, you still can be sensitive to it, right?
1: Absolutely, I'm so much less sensitive than I was before because they've gotten my barrel <laughs> unloaded, so I have some more reserve built up in my capacity to deal with environmental toxins in general. But when there's a really severe mold issue, my body will just sound the alarms and I'll have some symptoms. Uh, so sometimes that gets a little tricky um, visiting people's houses or um, going to restaurants and that kind of thing, usually I can be in a place for at least a few hours and I'm, you know, go home and take extra liposomal glutathione and I'm fine. But if it's really, really bad, <laughs> like like that night, it's like, yeah, we need
0: to get out of here. Yeah. And that's the thing is that I know that some people will say, oh, well, you know, mold is a natural substance. Why do you know, why do people care about it? Um, and, and, and that a lot of people, like if they haven't, now had those other things that you mentioned, like the genetic predispositions, the other toxic exposures, the nutritional deficiencies, those sorts of things, they might not notice it right away, even though it is still toxic to everyone, right?
1: Right. That's um, And it's, it can just be a matter of time you know, that, um, what I see with families is that there's usually a canary. There's <laughs> one person who gets sick. But when we delve into what's going on with the other family members, you've got some things going on that they're just not as sick or they're not really associating with it. They might have a little bit of brain fog or their hormones might be out of balance or developing a skin rash, but not as severely ill to even, be, even start thinking, oh, well, what's causing this?
0: Yeah, but how long were you practicing medicine before you started to shift into this?
1: So I knew when I went to medical school because I had made a shift in careers that I wanted to do medicine differently than how what had happened the first time I got sick, where I had undiagnosed celiac disease. Um, uh, so, but then I had had one child during med school and one child during residency. So when I got done with residency. I knew I wanted to do some additional training to really um, augment what I was doing, but I was, uh, I was pretty tired and I had these two young kids. So about three years into my practice, uh, I'm an internist. So three years into that, I developed a couple of autoimmune disorders and that was right about the time that you could actually find functional medicine because it was just really birthing. And that was the answer. So I went and did the training to that reverse my autoimmune diseases. And, and, um, and then I was like, Okay, I'm ready, I need to start offering this to patients. So I got really brave and quit my busy um, internal medicine practice and opened my doors not knowing whether anybody was going to want to come see me or not. <laughs> and got really busy really quickly, because I think people are so hungry for getting their bodies really back into balance. And of course, you learn that's the the path that you went with your education is <laughs> you knew to start out with that, where you actually get taught a lot about the, you know, getting back to the biochemistry and physiology and really find the most holistic ways to get the body working better.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, it is fantastic. And I, I just wanted you to be able to share that because I know that there are uh, practitioners that watch the podcast and want to know, like, how do, how do you make that shift? When do you make the shift? And um, if they've, they've started off in the conventional medical world and they want to make that shift over that, it, it, sometimes it's scary in the beginning, but certainly um, I, I think, you know, most people I speak to feel like it's very rewarding to make the
1: shift, even though it's so scary. You know, once you know what you know, you can't just keep doing the old algorithm and protocols where you know where within five minutes, what MRI you're going to order or what drug you're going to order, you just, it's like, it starts eating away at you. And just very quickly, I knew that I needed to be able to spend time with my patients and be able to run tests outside of the insurance model, and I really needed to get off the insurance plans to be able to provide the level of care that I wanted to, where I could really do that detective work, but it was scary. Um, I've I've mentored um, many people now making that transition, and it always goes smoothly. Like If that's where your heart is, that comes across to people, and they just start telling everybody they know that there's better answers.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So let's go back to the skin mold connection (laughs) is really what we wanted to be talking about. Um, So what are some of the signs that show up on the skin of um, mold toxicity?
1: Of course, now I've gotten so that it's at least something I consider anytime somebody comes in with any kind of rash, whether it looks like eczema or hives or psoriasis. One of my um, my biggest learning points on how skin can affect or how mold can affect the skin was a patient with the most se- severe psoriasis I've ever seen. You know He had severe plaques on, on so, so much of his body. It was the type that's not just covering the, the joints, but it just pops up everywhere. So he had been to a couple of dermatologists and he had really been seeking out what was going on with his body. And the main thing that got him better was to get him out of, you know, we ended up finding a pretty significant mold problem in his house. And he actually, it was so severe. He, he didn't even try to remediate. He moved. And so we got him in a clean environment and then helped the, uh, his body to be able to eliminate the, the toxins better with things like glutathione and binders and, you know, totally revamping his diet. And, um, and it totally resolved, like just totally gone. It's, um, it's really remarkable. And then just this, um, the, do you, have you talked about mast cell activation at all on your podcast at all? Mm -hmm. So the mast cells are the, uh, you know, the allergy part of the immune system. And so they, um, when you have a big histamine response, you can have allergy type things, but then when it goes over the top, you can have, um, you know, just severe itching and uh, flushing, be severely uncomfortable um, in your body, and just sensitive to every little thing. Um, and that I found that is often um, started with the mold uh, issue, and then even just the you know the more common things with the uh, with eczema. If we address any mold exposure. So usually it's in a building, but sometimes it can be eating a lot of moldy foods like um, peanuts and corn and lots of grains that tend to be, to be moldy. So we try to get those things out as well as looking for what's going on in their environment.
0: Okay. So you just brought, thank you. And, but you just brought up something about food that I don't think most people know about. I don't think people think about the fact that mold grows on food. They think, um, you know, I think mean, a lot of people have heard of mold as is an issue in your home. And even if you can't see it, just because, you know, it's not like green or black fuzz growing on stuff, doesn't mean, you know, of course, mold can be hidden behind the walls. I think we and we talked about this before on the podcast, but the idea of food containing mold, I'm sure that's kind of a scary thought to people. So how does that happen? And and I know that there are more foods than what you just rattled off that I, I think, yeah, to be concerned about.
1: There are, yeah, that's such a great topic. Um, so there are the obvious things that are fermented that if there's mold in it, it's gonna grow just like the other um, things that are in anything that's fermented. So the obvious things are like wine and vinegar and kombucha. Um, so uh, definitely if you're having any of these kinds of things you wanna take those out. But then, one of the thing, one of the biggest problems are the grains. So, uh, like wheat and barley and rye and corn, those the way that we grow and harvest those grains, it's it's a huge problem. And there there are some protections in place, but a lot of countries do it better than the United States does. Um, the right now with corn, I want to just tell everybody, don't eat corn right now because there's a huge issue with. With corn, and they're 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 regulating it more, and they're more aware of it with animals that are fed corn, because they manifest. You know, that's you know if that's the main thing that they're fed. They manifest the diseases very severely that can come from eating it. Um, you know, problems with fertility and their immune systems being um, downregulated, so that they get sick more, and then they don't gain as much weight. And so they, with animals, you can see it pretty quickly. Uh, then coffee, our friend uh, Dave Asprey has taken it up on coffee because coffee is, can be so moldy. So the Bulletproof Coffee, and now I think there are a few other brands as well, but they, they really make sure that every batch of coffee is safe and they don't have the mycotoxins from the mold in them, a chocolate Unfortunately, chocolate's another one uh, <laughs> that can be moldy. And I see that myself. Like I sometimes I eat chocolate, um, of course dark chocolate that's you know low in mm-hmm. sugar. because <laughs> um, I love it. And then some, sometimes I feel like I do fine with it. And then other times I'm like, oh yeah, that probably had some some mold, you know, mold or mycotoxins in it. So those are the big groups.
0: Yeah, and I know some of those foods that you mentioned can be can be health foods. And like ferment, there's a lot of um, buzz right now about fermented veggies and things like, uh, you know, coconut yogurt, coconut milk. And um, so,
1: yeah, so and,
0: it's and, yeah, it's a whole group. And so <laughs> I think that there, some people eat those foods thinking, oh, I'm going to feel great when I eat them. And then they don't feel great. So is that kind of one of the signs that you could have a mold toxicity issue?
1: Yes, definitely. So, if you're one of the best things to do is to actually make your own fermented foods, where you know you're, you know, really picking the best ingredients that look clean and healthy, and, and um, that there aren't even bacteria and things on it as well. Um, but the one, so there are really two problems with that can happen with the fermented foods. One is just that that there can be toxins in it if the wrong things growing in it. And then the second thing is this, this mast cell activation that I was talking about, that it can be um, really getting the immune system reg, uh, upregulated to, to have that mast cell and histamine release. So it can be one or the other, just fermentation in in general. And then second of all, are you getting a toxin exposure with it? So then the whole thing, coconuts can be so moldy. If you see that pink color in a coconut, do not eat it. And then uh, the peanuts are the the aflatoxin risk, risk, and that's the one that can be so carcinogenic, uh, so cause cancer. And uh, the other nuts can be an issue as well. So get uh, getting them as fresh as possible and then sticking them in the refrigerator or the freezer to keep them as fresh as you can, as long as you can.
0: Yeah, it starts to be a little tricky, right? You know, it, um, food um, can become complicated, uh, even if we're just trying to shop at a health food store. It's not always that simple. No, and that's, it, it, it,
1: I don't want people to feel discouraged because it's still, it's good to put nutritious food in your body because it does help you to de- really detoxify and but then we do have to be aware of some of these things because we're not as protected
0: as we think we are right and it's not that we want to eat processed food and distilled water and you know <laughs> we can't live off of that right so <laughs> so it's certainly like you're saying and you still want to be eating um you know, food from the garden and, you know, eating whole foods and all those sorts of things. I think the big takeaway though is, do as much as you can to um, make things yourself, like buying buying things that are already fermented instead of doing it yourself, where you you know what you're starting with, you're watching the process, you're in your own home and your own environment. Um, I think that's a great way because I, I still think that there's going to be a lot of benefit from some of the fermented veggies, and um, and so if you're if you're starting from you're making it yourself, I think it can still be a great. A great thing to do. Yeah.
1: Definitely with what we know about the microbiome. So it's so fascinating. Some of the research studies that are coming out, looking at how the mycotoxins, the mold toxins actually change your good bacteria and flora in your gut. And so actually having the probiotics and the fermented foods can ha- help to mitigate some of the effects of the toxins going into our body. So it definitely is really good to add the probiotics and fermented foods that we, just the the ones that we know are done really well.
0: (laughs) Yeah, just use some caution. And again, this is particularly important for people who are sensitive. If you're, and then you get, and I think, you know, you've probably seen this for yourself and for your patients, you get your body into a healthier state, remove some of those toxins out of your body then you can, if you get a little bit of exposure to these things, you're not gonna have a full-blown reaction, right? You're gonna, you might notice the symptoms, it may not feel comfortable a little bit, but it's not like a huge immune response, right? Well, and that's,
1: that's such an important point because we can get so petrified as we're going through the world that it actually does just that fear of the world does harm because it puts us in such a stressful state that that actually in itself shuts down some of our detoxification systems and causes us to, to, you know, have imbalanced hormones and all those kinds of things that can just rev it up. So I really um, encourage people to be proactive about detoxifying so that they do have those reserves and know the things that they can do to, uh, when they do get an exposure that they, um, know, know what to do to get themselves back into balance.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So you talked about, let's see, eczema, psoriasis, you, um, acne also is another one, another big one. Uh, just, and, and really it probably is a lot of chronic rashes. Sometimes you you might be getting patients, I'm guessing, that, that don't even know what their rash is. They, they might just have this mysterious rash that won't go away, right?
1: Exactly. If there's any mysterious rash, uh, that's what one of the first things we'll do is go look at mold. I really try to only look for it if I, if I really am highly suspicious or it's kind of... You know, we've looked for other things first, like just you know, food allergies and getting my gut in, in good shape. But if there's been a long term um, or just a, a, an unusual rash, and or just itching, like some people will just feel like their body's more itchy, mm-hmm. like they just or or that their skin is more sensitive to to touch and to clothes and to things. If, they, if their skin is sensitive, um, I'll go ahead and jump into looking for whether mold might be a problem quicker.
0: Right. And that's definitely something I've seen too, is that there are some people that can't use any skincare products, even natural skincare products, because they're so reactive. And so with those people, I always say there's We got to figure out what's going on there. We got to figure out what toxins and what's causing that inflammation to get rid of that, reduce that, address that so that they because people should be able to use natural skincare products and be able to live in the world, right? But when you, I'm just going to reiterate this. If you feel like you're just so reactive to foods, to skincare products, to things in your environment. We want to look at toxicity issues and mold being a big one, and I I do see that definitely it can be that that last little tipping point for people, like like you you talked about with your history of all the different exposures, and then all of a sudden you just hit a wall. Your body said, "I can't take it anymore. Help me!" <laughs> and and a lot of times it's skin. So I think. Like I always talk about, skin is our magic mirror. gives us great clues about our overall health. And it can be that early warning sign of just being super reactive, mysterious rashes. And so I'm so glad that we're talking about this. So now let's talk about the solution. Obviously, we want to get rid of the mold and the environment. And we talked about foods to avoid or reduce or to start being more careful about. What else can people do?
1: So the first thing is to find out where it's coming from. Uh, so it's ev- everything to consider from where you're living to your school or work, and even your car. So sometimes people's uh, air conditioning systems in their car get moldy, or they have spilled something, and the or even I had oh I had one patient who they cleaned the carpets and the upholstery in their car, and it didn't get dried out properly, and. Every time he got in there, he was very, very sick. So if a lot of times there's some kind of clue as to where it is. So you want to get rid of it. And then the, you want to do the things to minimize other exposures too. Like so that, you know, what you're putting on your hair and your skin, um, you don't want to use things like fragrances that are from chemicals. So everything that you can think of to minimize that additional environmental exposure and then I found that there are a few things that can really help with um, helping to get mold toxins as well as other toxins out of the system. And my favorite thing is liposomal glutathione So I I don't travel without extra <laughs> amounts of it because I know if I breathe in the jet fuel fumes, you know, when you're sitting on the airplane and you're <laughs> you wanting to put a mask on, um, or if I get into a moldy hotel room or conference hall. I want to be able to take that extra liposomal glutathione, and there's multiple brands that are, many of them are very good. Um, you want to look for that kind of um, practitioner brand that's uh, kind of pharmaceutical grade. Right. And
0: yeah, and then I, well, got- I was just going to say about glutathione, there, it is important for people to realize that not all oral glutathione is the same most of the glutathione supplements out there, your body cannot absorb and do anything with. And it used to be that before this, the, the liposomal came out, it used to be that you, know, you really had to get an IV or to, to take other, other supplements that would help boost your levels of glutathione, like NAC and acetylcysteine or vitamin C, those sorts of things um, could help boost your levels, but now the liposomal um, glutathione is, a, is an oral uh, form, which makes it a lot easier. Right. So that, so
1: I, what I, one of the things that I love to do with patients is I love to measure the level of the glutathione inside their red blood cells. And then we see uh, what it takes to get their um, glutathione levels up to a really good, robust level. And so I can actually see which supplements work the best and you're exactly right. So definitely the, the precursors, like the NAC and bind uh, or yeah, NAC and vitamin C can and uh, lo- good levels of magnesium can really help. But that liposomal pharmaceutical grade, um, it, like a pretty good dose, at least a teaspoon to three teaspoons a day can really get that level up so that then the body can, can um, eliminate heavy metals and a lot of different chemicals as well as the mycotoxins much better. Mm-hmm. But then when you open up that you know, being, that, being able to dump those cells where they're stored in the body, then you, um, you wanna also have some binders to kind of sop it up. So things like the activated charcoal and there's some medical clays that I like to use, uh, pectisol, and um, sometimes I'll use cholestyramine, but I find that the natural things actually work much better and are more tolerated than, uh, than the prescription well-collar cholestyramine binders.
0: Mm-hmm. So you're helping the liver give it a boost with the glutathione, and then you're helping the colon and you know the body eliminate, bind to, and get it out of the body because you don't want to just stir the pot and you know get things going or just remove um, our exposure. We want to get it out of the body, right? And I can't
1: underestimate how important it is to drink enough clean water so that the kidneys are really being. Um, flesh to be able to get the things that are going to go out through the kidneys and then the things that are going to go out through the the colon um, we we really need to have uh, plenty of, of fiber and uh, magnesium things so that that the bowels are moving really well every day uh, because otherwise you take the risk of, uh, of reabsorbing it and then your body having to deal with it all over again. And then I've really been seeing some good results from doing things like using the skin with infrared saunas. Mm-hmm. Infrared saunas are such a great way to get the mold toxins out and probably a lot of other ones too. And, and um, for people that have access to it, the hyperbarics, there's now some good studies that have come out that show that uh, the hyperbarics help the you know, kind of ba- bypass a lot of the, the mechanisms that aren't working well to get
0: the the toxins out. And do you find that um, depending on the person, some people have to move at different rates than others? uh, Because I imagine you've got some people come in are super sick. And um, so you might have to be a little bit gentler with those people and a slower process.
1: Most people
0: <laughs> that come in to see me
1: need to get, start very gently, yeah. especially when they already know they're you know they're reacting to everything in the environment. They're really sensitive, and we start you know one thing at a time, very low doses, and gradually built up so that all these uh, mechanisms that are needing to work together are um, going working smoothly. Because a lot of times the reason that you know they've been the canary or they've got the sickest is that they've got a bunch of glitches with things not working and then the other thing i found that's really really helpful is to feed the mitochondria so the mitochondria are the little organelles inside the cells that make energy so things like coq10 and carnitine and alpha lipoic acid can really help the each cell to have more energy to to be able to deal with the whole process of unloading the toxins
0: yeah so and the reason why you mentioned that is I think it's important for people to realize that you can't always do this on yourself by your by alone, by on your own. Especially, I mean, there's some things you can do to reduce your exposure. And if you're just starting to notice some things, maybe taking some of these supplements will help. But I think that for the most part, if if you're really sensitive it, you want to work with somebody like Dr. Shippy to help you really figure out what's the best way to place to start. How do we do this in a way that supports your body? Because as you're uh, releasing things, sometimes it can create more symptoms, right? It really can.
1: And so, yeah, and some of the sometimes people, um, you know, they're, They've been online and they're researching things. I mean, see something that they think will be really helpful, and it can end up being a real, big, really big setback. So, for example, like if people are having these big histamine responses, and they hear that um, that the collagen proteins can really help heal their gut, uh, they might be really actually made worse by it because the, the collagen for the people that are in that home assisting state can make even more release and so then it can be really confusing um, well this is supposed to help me and it's making me worse and and then kind of get defeated so it, it can really help to have that support to to put the pieces of the puzzle together and and figure out what works best for each person yeah.
0: right so if you think this is something that um, resonates with you or somebody you know then I would say um, contact Dr. Shippey's office, or at least look for a naturopathic physician, functional medicine doctor that knows a lot about mold, because just because somebody does naturopathic medicine, functional medicine doesn't mean that they specifically know about mold. So I think it's good if it really is an issue that you work with. Don't you think um, it's, it's, it's a different kind of um, treatment plan really. Right. It really is. And, and it helps to have some
1: experience with it because um, it is, it's it's complex and there's a lot of judgment because there's really no fixed um recommendations on what safe levels are it's that those studies have not been done we don't know for the individual toxins and we don't know when you have them combined um because they're you know exponential every toxin you add it makes it you know each other more toxic and so we don't have that data so just having had some experience when when somebody you know, run slabs on either the building or the home, and then the individual to be able to calibrate well, this kind of makes sense based on these symptoms. And, and then having looked at genetics and know, you know, these are the most important things to look in this, at with this person based on their genetics. And
0: that yeah. Thing. so, yeah. Yeah, because the testing is such a big part of this, too, to help her, the, the genetic component, nutritional deficiencies, looking at glutathione levels like you were talking about. Any other labs that you often run on, on people? Yeah, so I um, one of the things that I love to do is
1: to look at different uh, parts of the methylation process, so homocysteine, the SAM, the SAW. Um, and also some of the genetics that go along with that that detailed methylation process because I found that for the people that aren't getting um, better just by doing the binders and getting them in a clean environment, that uh, a lot of times that's the key, is getting the methylation, that, that, that part of the detoxification and repair process working really well. And then I I love to do things like the um, like an ion p- profile or a NutraVal to look at their at the details of how their um, nu- you know nutrient status is. Do they have enough of the amino acids, essential fatty acids, trace minerals? H- a little bit about how their mitochondria are working to really be able to zero in on. Uh, what that person needs and then I've been doing a really fun test uh, for about nine months that I actually have to send it off to Germany where I can look and see what environmental toxins are sitting on people's DNA. So mm-hmm. When there's a toxin sitting on your on your gene that can really impact how that particular gene gets expressed and that and then that function in the body. So it's actually been really fascinating because um, I've had a few patients where they had mold toxins sitting on, their, on, a, like on a mitochondrial gene. So mm-hmm. then it's a, that's exciting because we know we have to take the detoxification process and even a step further and, and make sure that those genes are, are cleaned up so that then they can have that reserve to be able to be in, safe in the world again.
0: Right, okay, great. So it's important to look at the symptoms, do some testing to really figure out where the best places to start. and they're always reducing exposure, and then addressing the specific things that show up on the labs as well as detoxification sounds like that's the general approach. I did want to point out the one thing that I've noticed just with doing skincare products is that, that mold grows in, especially natural skincare products, more than people realize. And it's one of the reasons why I was adamant about having airless pumps for my skincare products, because mold can so easily grow, especially if you have the containers that you open up and you leave out or you're sticking your fingers in, maybe your fingers are wet or it gets a little water, or moisture in there from even just opening it up if you live especially in a humid place and you don't always see it. You don't always see it and then you're putting it on your face. Um, so just another little tip for people. i mean, and, and you probably already knew that, but I just wanted to share that one little thing.
1: Well, and I think that's, that's so important and it's, I just wanna congratulate you too. I was, um, one of the things that I recommend for patients is to go to the environmental working groups, um, cosmeticdatabase.org website and look for the cleanest products that they can find and you have the best rating on every single product that's unheard of even for the natural skincare lines to have that number that you know number one rating is that's remarkable. So I really love what you've done with the skincare line. It's, it's
0: like, it's just a no brainer. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, it's definitely a passion project. I've loved um, being, um, you know, helping people have access to this. So it's really clean, like
1: from an environmental toxin level, but then it also is just so good for keeping your skin looking amazing like yours is. <laughs> oh, thank
0: you. And I just had a PRP facial. So my skin is like a little um, inflamed right now, but thank you. <laughs> It's beautiful. Oh, thank you. Always looks amazing. Aww. Well, so does yours, Anne. Um, okay. So tell everybody where you are, how they can find you, all the different ways, how they can find you as a patient, where they can find you online, all that good stuff.
1: The website's annshipemd.com. And if people want a little bit more information on mold, we have a, a fact sheet, a handout that they can get by doing the annshipemd.com slash mold so that they can, um, so that you can uh, look, have a summary of a lot of the things that we've talked about and a few other tidbits on, or, you know, tips on how to get better.
0: Okay. And I'm, and You're on, I'm on all Instagram sleep. and
1: Facebook and Is Twitter. Mm-hmm. And the Ann MD.
0: Okay, perfect. All right. And thanks so much for coming on and your information today. Really appreciate it. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I hope it helps your audience. Absolutely. I hope you enjoyed this interview today with Dr. Ann Shippy. And I'm curious, have you experienced any mold toxicity symptoms? Are you considering the fact that maybe after watching this interview or listening to the interview that you might have a mold toxicity issue? I'd really love to hear from you. So send us a message. You can message us on social media, you can email us, you can post a comment in the section below on YouTube and the website. Lots of options to reach out to us. I would love to know from you. Are you struggling with mold toxicity issues? If so, what's been your experience and what are you doing to address it? If you wanna learn more about Dr. Ann Shippy, you can go to thespadoctor.com, go to the podcast page with her interview, and you'll find all the information in the show notes and links to her. And I invite you to join me on social media, on Facebook, Pinterest, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and join the conversation. And if you haven't already taken the skin quiz, I encourage you to do that so you find out what information your skin's trying to tell you about your health and what you can do about it. Just go to theskinquiz.com. It's a free online quiz, give you a customized report and i will see you next time on the spot doctor podcast